Look, I get it. I was a little bit out of hand comparing Taylor Swift to Michael Jackson. Give me a close up right here. My bad. Like, completely my bad. I think I just saw a couple TikToks too many, saw some Instagram posts, just was feeling the hype of it. And that was the biggest person I can compare her to. So I say all of that because my sister actually brought it to my eyes first. And then a lot of other people kept flooding in. Um, I forgot about the queen. And no, not the one that hates black people, or I guess hated black people, but the queen herself that goes by the name Beyonce Knowles Carter. Also known as Queen B, I got a little quote here, could clear nearly 2.1 billion from her Renaissance tour. About 500 million more than the 1.6 billion Taylor Swift could earn from eras. The comparing thing is a little out of hand because it's like, it's not like Taylor's doing small numbers, you know? 1.6 billion? Bro, that's huge. But obviously, the Queen B's Queen B. Beyonce, you know, I don't, I don't even think she had a new album leading up to this maybe i'm being a little bit ignorant here am i recording okay i'm good maybe i'm being a little bit ignorant here but there isn't a new album that i can contribute that went with this tour normally an artist drops an album waits a little bit you know like lets it marinate within uh their fan base and then goes on tour which is where they actually make money um i cannot remember an album but this is how this is this is her, right? She can just go on a tour like this. Um, I think she's just now starting her US leg of uh all of her US shows. And she had just finished all of her European shows, all of everything that happened overseas. And so I was looking up some tickets for the LA show, and the minimum price for a ticket that I saw was five hundred dollars. Which doesn't sound bad which is like look how posh that sounds for me saying that doesn't sound bad but that's like in the nosebleed right like you're watching you're watching beyonce with jesus up there at that point and you know i've I've gone to her show before with um i went with my sister and brother-in-law and i think it was the on the run two tour where she was touring with jay-z and i remember the the just the grasp she had very like honestly very michael jackson like um, I was watching some old Michael clips. Michael, maybe I should just keep addressing him by full name since I already disrespected him once. Michael Jackson clips, and there would be times his overseas reach is what really separates him. And there would be times that he just came out and he just stood there in whatever, you know, crazy outfit that he had, sunglasses on, and he would just stand there for minutes on end. And the audience would be going crazy for this full amount of time. Next thing you know, he does his first move. Audience goes berserk, right? You've never seen this kind of reaction before. I don't know another artist that can go out there and just stand there for a solid five minutes without even moving other than Beyonce, who I remember she came out there and she was just standing there, moving her eyes left to right, not a smile on her face. And everyone in the audience slowly started to just quiet down oh snap you know like she she's in charge here let me let me relax and then as soon as she broke a smile that stadium erupted and so that's where you know i actually feel much more comfortable and who knows maybe on episode three i'll 
come back on this take and fill this gap in with someone else comparing them to Michael Jackson. But once again, my apologies to the queen. And with that being said, welcome to episode two. Uh, if you didn't like episode one, maybe this one's for you. My name is Ajay Patel. This is the Ajay Patel show as always. And firstly, I'd like to say thank you for all the support I've gotten in episode one, whether it was comments, likes, listens, ratings on the um, podcast. My apologies on the slight hiccup on the Apple podcast uh, launch. Honestly, it just came down to I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Hopefully this Monday it comes out a little bit smoother on time. You can get to the link. Uh, please let me know. If you are a friend that has my number, don't comment a, an issue on the video, right? Text me directly, please, because that's probably something that I missed or um, something that's just not supposed to happen in the first place. But all in all, I thank you for the support. And I hope you guys just keep listening. Please keep on sending me your feedback. Some of that just went into the first couple of minutes of this, talking about how... You know, maybe I was a little bit crazy on my Taylor Swift take. Um, and I think we got some good stuff today. You know, like, had a good weekend. What about y'all? Uh, it was my girlfriend's birthday. A lot of you know her. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to keep things general for the masses. But we went to Santa Barbara. So she turned 31. People were sending cookies, uh, small cheesecakes, and things like that. And that's always an issue when these birthdays come around. You know, you try to have this... LA diet and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna eat clean. I'm gonna do these, I'm gonna take these pictures in the mirror and see how much I weigh and see how much body fat I have and this and that. And then, you know, maybe eat out a little bit less. So now I'm eating cleaner, but I'm also saving money. Um, and then a birthday comes. And as a guy that doesn't like wasting food and who also gets the munchies for some sweets, uh, it's a problem. You know, so Everyone that sent some sweets this past week, I truly do thank you guys. I probably ate 50% of that stuff. And, you know, we kind of have this idea where it's just like, you know, there needs to be like something that I can just send savory for someone. You know, like sending them dinner is a little bit tough because it's like, oh, hey, make sure you don't eat dinner tonight. And then you get into this whole like, no, don't send me anything. Okay, fine. Okay, don't send me anything. Because it would just be awesome if someone sent you like French fries, you know, like in the middle of the day, you just got some McDonald's french fries, ate that stuff up, and then it's gone, right? Instead of this box of cookies where I don't even know if my heart's beating at 6 p.m. Um, but once again, when the sweets come, I'm, I'm killing that shit immediately. I don't care if it's your birthday. That shit is in front of me, and I know it's not going to be eaten in the time period because after the 24 hours, you know, those, those cookies go relatively stale and whatnot. That's not even the important part. Um, we went to Santa Barbara. If you guys don't know where that is, it's about it's a town about two hours north of Los Angeles. It's right along the coast. You just drive on up. It's a quick, easy drive if you are in LA and have been thinking about doing it. Uh, super nice town. Very quaint. I guess that's the right word for it. Uh, the benefits of a smaller town, you know, you get to just hop on a scooter if you want to go somewhere. You don't really have to plan for everywhere you want to go being a 20-minute drive or getting an Uber and sitting in a car. And then, you know, you can just plan things on the go like that. You can just say, okay, hey, we want to do this. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, what we did, in case anyone wants an itinerary, and just so, you know, you know what I did. Uh, we had some brunch, checked into the hotel, 
rented some bikes and biked up and down the beach path. Every single time I go biking again, which isn't frequent, I learn about how bad of a biker I am, if that makes sense. Like, I'm just not good with the gears going up, down. Like, see, like, even the way I explain it there just sounds super novice. Um, something I might try to get better at. But anyways, we biked the beach and then we biked into the town, which um, if you ever go, it's mainly just this street called State Street. Has a bunch of these wineries, uh, bars, restaurants of, of all different varieties, whether it's Italian, Indian, Hispanic. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, we stopped by a winery, did a little tasting, uh, you know, and then you know how a tasting goes, right? You never, unless you're a true wine connoisseur, you're not there for the tasting. You're there to just be like, oh, I can get four different wines for this price or five different wines for this price. Sign me up. You know, I don't even want that full glass. I want to just be boom, 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 another, boom, another, boom, another. And then, that, you know, you, it just happens, right? It's a, it's a domino effect. So then you start at the winery, then you go to another bar, have a couple of drinks, go here, maybe have one more drink before you go to dinner in which you are having another drink. I know this sounds very alcoholic-like, and it, it is, right? Like, I don't preach this or I don't, uh, you know, want anyone else to follow this suit but i'm just kind of telling you what i did uh the lovely part though is you end up at dinner have a nice dinner and then you kind of look at each other at about 8 30 and you know yeah hey we're done it's time it's time to go to sleep so the benefit of day drinking you go to sleep by 9 p.m you wake up super refreshed and then we just drove back so it was a quick day trip on saturday came back home and that was it you know like it was an awesome weekend I think that's one of the benefits of living in Los Angeles. Uh, You can just drive to these towns uh, on a moment's notice. Obviously, you can do that in other states as well. Me being from Texas, I understand that, you know, you can go to these wineries within Grapevine, Pflugerville, uh, other parts of the outside of Austin region that I don't know the names of. But, you know, after you do those, the California part of it just presents like, oh, this is new, you know, so I'm looking forward to this more. But what also helps is if you have an inclination of going to the beach, you can't beat it. This is the best place for it, especially on a moment's notice where you don't have to book a flight. This is the best place for it. Speaking of LA, um, <laughs> you know, I talked about it in my first video. Uh, I kind of got deep into the roots of my very short resume of acting background and a lot of people enjoy that you know a lot of people said that they had no idea that i was doing that um it's mainly because i didn't share it much because of how um infant and still is in its stage uh, as far as what kind of roles i'm doing how i feel about myself as being a someone potentially in that field uh the other thing i came out here for um and it falls under the same umbrella is the entertainment, right? Like the entertainment umbrella is the stand-up comedy part of it. I kind of touched on it in the first video where I'm saying like, hey, you know, I kind of fell back on more of an emceeing thing. This one, I wanted to focus more on doing sets. So doing a five-minute set, doing a six-minute set, whatever time I can get, just going out there and kind of conquering it. Uh, I felt like I was avoiding it for the longest because... The scene was relatively growing in Dallas when I was there, 
but I never took advantage of it. I never went to an open mic. I never asked for stage time at any of these places. Even if it wasn't a comedy club, there are places that have these kind of uh, open mics, show and tells, I guess it's called, where there's either a musician going for a certain amount of time and then you can go up there and obviously you just need the mic, right? So you go up there, try to entertain. Once again, I didn't do any of this. I was just a big homebody focused on other stuff and more so it was just avoiding it at the end of the day. Um, when we came to Los Angeles, it was months, month after month after month where I just never looked into it pro was proactively trying to find an open mic set, messaging people or places for stage time. And it was, it was like this fear of, you know, like if you don't ever do the activity, right, you can't prove the opposite. You can't prove the negative of the outcome. So if I never go on stage, because as someone that thinks they're funny, right, you think, oh, you know what? I can do stand-up. As soon as I go up there, I'd kill it, blah, 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 blah. But unless you go out on that stage, you don't prove either, right? You don't prove whether you were good. You don't prove whether you were bad. Same thing if you don't go on stage. You can talk shit as if you were good, but how much validity is behind that? Because you never actually put in the effort. You never actually... Kind of, I kept making the analogy of looking under the bed to see if there was monsters. Uh, I kept meeting people out here that were that that would say like, "Oh, I'm in the stand-up scene. I do stand-up," and I would see the content and in my head, and and maybe it's a little bit uh, self-centered, whatever the adjective you want to call it is, is I would keep thinking like, "Man, I could do this." As someone that I feel like, especially when it comparing the stand-up part of it to acting, I am a much, much, much bigger student of the stand-up game than the acting game. You know, growing up when I would watch stand-up comedy, I would almost watch it to a science, right? See how jokes flowed. I could see what comedians used more uh, of their body, right? Like, so, or someone that would use curse words in a certain way. And then obviously there's like the goats, like a Dave Chappelle. Um, and then, so for example, right? Dave Chappelle is someone that's a big, a great storyteller. He can get into a piece and you kind of just forget that you're at a stand-up show and then boom, next thing you know, you're laughing. Cat Williams was someone that would use his body, but also the way he sounded along with uh, kind of like the language he used, you would laugh. Kevin Hart, you know, he found, I think throughout his specials, he found this kind of... Uh, practice where these certain jokes would stick and then we would attribute those to him and then he just became a bigger and bigger star also someone that used his body obviously much more when he was on the younger side um one person that goes underrated that a lot of people don't know about is martin lawrence you know he used to host these shows and man i'm getting off topic here back to me like hold on back to back to me here uh so I was, a, I was a bigger student of the game when it came to watching stand-up comedy than acting. You know, I would watch acting. I would, I, I would watch movies, uh, Bollywood and Hollywood or whatever it may be. And I would just appreciate it, right? I never thought about like, oh, I wonder how he created that emotion in the scene or how he um, 
how he probably prepared for this or how his chemistry with uh, this romantic partner is. I, I, I didn't watch it like that. I do now as I try to become a better student of the game. Um, so as I felt I was a better student of the comedy side, when I would hear people tell me like, oh yeah, I do comedy and I would see their stuff, there would be that feeling in your gut where it's like, Psh, you know, like I could do this. But the, the issue within that is, okay, yeah, but you've never done it, you know? So the person that's at least going up on stage is always going to get more flowers than the person that has never touched a microphone. And like I said, I have, I'm almost like a serial MCer, right? Like I've MCed a handful of events, whether it was college, post-college. But once again, like I said, is it's a safe role. As long as you don't, shit the bed, you do a decent job as an MC. For stand-up, you have to be out there and hold an audience for a set amount of time and then just hope everything goes right, right? You have to hope you don't forget your material, this and that. All of that to say is it took about six, seven months for me to find my first stand-up gig. <laughs> I kept on messaging play. I eventually got over the hump and started searching for a spot and booked this uh, eight-minute set and for those that don't know, an eight-minute set is a pretty large amount of time. People that normally start off, they get a three-minute set, a five-minute set, which will you'll also hear called a, um, a type five. And I got this eight-minute set at a comedy club up north. I think it's in North Hollywood and super small place. And what they do is they, they get about eight people per, I think it's weekday, weekend night. So Friday, Saturday, maybe they do Thursdays. And each one of those people have to bring three people. So I have to sell three tickets. And so then that kind of ensures that they have their audience already set. It's a super tiny place, right? So if eight people are bringing three people each, you already have an audience filled. And then each a person additional to that, you get paid, I think, 10 bucks a head. So you can make money off of it. But for me personally, it was more so just like, yo, I need to get out there. I need to get over this hump. In addition to all of that is I need some material, um, not material as far as like what I'm going to say on stage, but material as far as reels. Like I need a video of me doing this activity. So then when I try to pitch to other stand-up clubs, I can say like, oh yeah, here's a video of me if you want to see, and then maybe get stage time at those places. So I get to this comedy club and eventually we hit the three-person minimum right on the dot. So I thank you to the friends that came to that. And I go upstate, I go upstairs to like the green room and I'm going on in the middle of the show. Once again, this is all super new for me, right? So leading up to this, I build a six minute joke and I build a two minute joke. Mistake number one, which we'll get back to. Uh, so then I get upstairs and I'm kind of meeting a couple of the other comics that are gonna be going up and they're just talking so much more sure of themselves. And so the butterflies start creeping in a little bit more. Um, one girl started, uh, one girl said like, oh, hey, you know, I just closed out the last show. I think this audience will be great. So she had just closed off, I think the 7 p.m. show and then she was opening whatever show we were doing. Um, another guy was like, yeah, you know, I'm working on a couple of old jokes and then I have some new jokes. Uh, and that was the kind of similar feel for the other comics where I was just like, oh, shit, you know, like, should I have gone to a smaller club than this? 
Should I have been doing like a three minute set and then building on that to do a five minute set, eight minute set? So <laughs> basically I was shitting myself, right? I was just like, oh crap. You know, like, did I bite off more than I can chew? As much as I hate using sayings like that. Um, the first girl goes up, the one that we talked about as closing the last show and going up for the next one. She bombs. She absolutely bombs. It got to the point where I think she started calling the audience a bunch of foul words. N nothing crazy. Like she, she thought it was still a joke, but the audience was, you know, when you start looking around, you're like, are, are you laughing at this shit? Bro, like, when does this stop? It was that kind of feeling. And as someone that's upstairs watching this, as bad as it sounds, it's like, damn, bro. Like, that's rough. And then you kind of start thinking, like, am I going to do that bad? Because, damn, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Eventually, the ice, uh, the crowd warms up a little bit. You know, obviously, as the first person that always goes up there, they have it the worst. The crowd is just now sitting down. They haven't had any drinks yet. So you're kind of working uphill versus like the other comics that get to come out. They get to work with whatever momentum is going and then they get to push from there. Um, so a couple of other guys go up, laughs, all that stuff. And then it's my turn. Um, not going to lie, I crushed about two beers before this just to get some nerves off. And then I go up there and honestly, I will say this. It went pretty decent. It went pretty decent. I did not end up having enough material. And I, I remember asking towards the end of my set, like, hey, how much time do I have left? And the guy was like, oh, two minutes. <laughs> oh, shit. And, and instead of, you know, trying to force another joke in there and kind of just ruining what I had, I just forfeited the two minutes. So now I know, like, instead of building this one big joke and a smaller joke, maybe just build up four smaller jokes. I don't know. More to come on that. I'll obviously share the experience as we go on. But um, it all comes down to just getting more reps in. So I signed up again. I think I go on in September 8th. If you're in town, please just, you know, shoot me a text. I would love to buy your ticket because uh, at the end of the day, just want some feedback. Just want people to come out there and have a good time. And overall, I'm looking forward to it. You know, now I'm trying to find a couple more places now that I have a video uh, to kind of go behind it. I can send that out to people, like I said, get more videos, eventually start cutting them up posting reels. Maybe I'll share it on this channel. Uh, maybe I'll even share it within the podcast itself. And, you know, I think it'll be a good time. Um, yeah, I just got to make sure this thing doesn't stop recording. Okay, we're good. What else do I have for you guys? Yeah, so the stand-up scene, that is another kind of big pillar of the LA move that we've had. Another thing that we'll go over next episode is the price of LA. But you know, I'll need another 30 minutes for that. What else do I have for y'all? Two movies I wanted to talk about. Two movies. Um, Barbie. And no, not Oppenheimer, because I haven't seen that yet. Barbie and Heart of Stone. <laughs> so if you haven't already, you got to go see Barbie. That is the 100% must-go see. I understand, like, some people are saying, like, oh, but it's Barbie. You know, like, how... how theatrical could that be very i think at this point anything margot robbie is in 
who is currently whom is who is whom whatever she is my favorite actress at this moment and anything she is in i think is classified as an instant blockbuster i think she was one of the producers on this movie and it's not like the rest of this cast was lackluster ryan gosling and then the legend that is will ferrell uh, will ferrell being someone i wasn't a big fan of growing up i didn't really understand the humor but now i get it you know like how and this is going back to the science of understanding like the acting behind it because i used to think like oh man this guy's just goofy you know but to be able to pull off that role time and time again legendary so once again you gotta go see barbie a lot of people were kind of upset about the whole uh how it made guys seem i thought it was hilarious the gist of it and i think we've passed the threshold for spoilers but Barbies are in a Barbie land. They run everything. Ken's are just kind of like centerpieces on a table. They're nice to look at. And their job is just to say hi to Barbie whenever they want or whenever the Barbie wants. A Barbie escapes, go to the real world, which is California, which is Los Angeles in spe to be specific. And they realize how shitty it is here. They go back home. One of the Ken's takes that knowledge from Los Angeles, ruins Barbie land. They end up fixing it. It's a simple story, right? But the acting and the comedy behind it, it's just awesome. And you got to go see it. A movie that was a little bit less good than that was Heart of Stone. <sighs> I, was, I was pretty excited for this movie, not going to lie. Like when these Netflix movies come out, I do get pretty excited because one, you can just watch it at home. You can take breaks whenever you want. It's a free evening within itself. And two, my Bollywood favorite actress, Ali Abad, was apparently made to seem like the other star in this movie. Gal Gadot being the first one. Uh, I will not put in too many spoilers for this because it is still new. But basically, Gal Gadot is Superwoman. Sorry, Superwoman. Oops, Wonder Woman. She can fly, she can fight, she's basically indestructible, and this is her movie. Like, she is in 100% of this movie. Alia, she, she got typecasted, straight up. She got, that was probably the most expensive typecast ever. I, I could have played the role she played, and it would have been the same movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It was awesome seeing her being in a film like this. But she got typecasted. And she was in about 50, not even. Honestly, that is super gracious. She was in about 40% of the movie. But I want you to please, as I knock stuff down around me, I want you to please go watch it and text me your thoughts or comment your thoughts because that is what kind of helps all this stuff move forward. And let me know what you think. It's also a two-hour movie, so which I guess is the normal now. Um, and it's on Netflix, so you can take pause breaks. But let me know what you think. Uh, I still need to see Oppenheimer, too. Damn. And then Blue Beetle when that comes out. But that's my movie take of this podcast. What else do we have for you? Sorry, I'm just taking a quick water break. Um, you know, like, obviously, I told you guys 
that I would cover the good stuff, I would cover the bad stuff. And this is where I get into some of the bad stuff. Uh, the Maui wildfires. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with what's been happening, but basically Maui has been ravaged by these wildfires, absolutely terrorizing um, the town. If you've seen any pictures, it is truly apocalyptic-like. It looks like it's scenes from a movie. And if you don't know, I have some stuff on it so to give you some more insight. But basically, I think it all started with a power plant kind of having a spark issue or something like that. And then it grew into this, it kind of just domino effect, right? Like, so this power plant had an issue. And then instead of turning off the power, I think it caught onto some of the other power lines that were emitting sparks, turns into this absolutely uncontrollable fire. In addition to that, the biggest issues behind it were the fact that they didn't have any type of cell signal or I think Wi-Fi also for that matter. So then the issue becomes like, how do you even send off a an alarm, right? How do you start letting people know in the town within one mile, two miles, whatever it is that, hey, there's this big ass fire coming. You need to evacuate your homes, which leads to the ridiculous amount of deaths that have occurred during this disaster, along with people just losing their houses. And which also probably leads into the fact that it couldn't be contained in time. Um, I don't know what the response time was. I have no data slash stories or knowledge on that. Some of the crazy shit that's happening now is things like people still traveling there. I have a couple of friends that had some Hawaii plans. I'm not sure if it was Maui specific, but they obviously canceled their shit. Like, why would you want to be like, just read the room, bro. You know, I think Paris Hilton was actually caught. She posted a link to donate to, you know, the, the Maui cause and people caught her in Maui vacationing obviously not where the fires were right but she was still in Maui vacationing and once again it kind of goes back to you'll read the room you know but also Paris Hilton is not our north star for moral compass right so I get it it's a bad look but I, I don't care at the end of the day I just don't care what Paris Hilton is doing the issue within itself is already big enough of a story that I don't need to be seeing that um but I do get it, right? Like, oh, this this image comes up where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, she's so nice. She's spreading this uh, where to donate link. But at the same time, you know, but she's in the city vacationing. So is she a good person? Once again, it comes down to, I don't care. I think that's just a distraction story within itself. Uh, the more fucked up part is that these, I saw some videos about how these, companies, I don't know whether it's housing, insurance, whatever it is, are contacting these homeowners of like basically victims that have had their homes burnt down and they're making them offers on their house. I am not lying. You can go read this, go see what's happening. But these, <laughs> it, it, it's just shitty, right? Like it, that, imagine your house burns down and someone's calling in to buy it. And it's like, Yo, you know what you're doing. You know, you're you're taking advantage of someone when they're on the ground and you're trying to buy their house. So then when all of this kind of settles down, you can build this crazy house on your own dime 
Airbnb it out, make some more money. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, the last thing I want to touch on, on the Maui stuff is this donating aspect of it. I don't have anything for y'all as far as like, oh yeah, you should go donate here. Because sometimes when it comes to this donating thing, I feel like we get tricked a bit. One, because do you really know where this money is going? But also when it's these power companies that are create, like, you know, making these mistakes, just like similar to, and by similar, I mean on a much smaller scale than what happened here, but similar to when the power grids kind of shut down in Texas and a lot of these houses were flooding. Uh, you would see videos of people's apartments kind of just caving in with water and it was freezing cold. And it's kind of a failure on the state or like the bigger system within itself. So like, why does the money have to come from smaller pockets when the issue kind of stemmed from the guy that was supposed to be watching over things? I get it at the end of the day where it's like, well, they're not going to fix things. So let's try to put our dollar forward to fix things. But, you know, it's just the duality that I constantly think of. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, like that's, it's shitty, but I just wanted to cover it, talk about it to not make everything all happy go lucky on here. Um, it is a sad note to end on, but I think going forward, you know, I do want to cover more things like that. I think when we get to, I think episode, how many times am I going to say, I think Jesus. Uh, but basically I'm going to wrap it up there. A lot of people gave me shit in episode one because I was nervous and wrapping it up. And let me tell you, I 100% was. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to take a sip of my wine. I didn't know whether to stop the recording, whether to go up there and check if it's done or not. Uh, but I'm going to end this with saying, please keep on supporting. Uh, I think you will see a lot more stuff coming your way. We will eventually bring in guests when I get a good number of these out. If you have a suggestion on what you want to see, please keep the suggestions coming. And until then, I will see you next Monday in episode three. So take care and goodbye.